Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of May 31, 2015. Breaking news. The speaker at the banquet at the upcoming ACB convention in Dallas is Christine Ha. The whole nation watched Christine prepare several fabulous meals as she defeated her opponents and won the MasterChef competition on television. Christine is blind and now speaks all over the world about the abilities of people who are blind. If you're coming to Dallas, grab your banquet ticket right away. If you'll be listening from home on ACB Radio, be sure to plan to tune in on Friday evening, July 10. The banquet will begin around 7 p.m. Central Time, and Christine will probably be speaking shortly after 7.45 to 8 p.m. It's the end of May and time for high school graduations. The Kentucky School for the Blind had its commencement ceremony this past Wednesday, May 27, and six students became alumni of the school. One student had spent all 12 years at the school, Another had attended since 6th grade, and a third for four years. The other three had been full-time for only one or two years each, although they had attended summer enrichment and work programs prior to enrolling at the school. We remind those of you in the Louisville area that there will not be a GLCB Friday this week. The Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Reunion will be happening instead on Friday, June 5, and Saturday, June 6, at the Ramada Inn on Zorn Avenue. Call 502-897-1472 for more details. Everyone can use an extra thumb drive or two, whether it be for books, music, or backing up important files. The ACB Mini Mall just received new 16-gigabyte thumb drives, with the ACB logo on one side and the website www.acb.org on the other. The drives are really sharp looking in black with white lettering. They're $16 each. Order by phone by calling 877-630-7190 or order online after Wednesday, June 3 at mall.acb.org. You can also get to the Mini Mall by going to the ACB homepage at www.acb.org and clicking the Virtual Mini Mall link. You'll be able to pick up the thumb drives also at the Mini Mall booth in Dallas. On page 2 this week are excerpts from a presentation by Kevin Reynolds, a certified dog trainer here in Louisville. This presentation was at the May 26th meeting of the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, this was one of those programs that I thought would be less than scintillating, but it turned out to be very interesting, at least in my opinion. The entire presentation was about 45 minutes long, and thanks to Adam Rushville for editing it for Soundprints. Some of you may remember Bill Brown 
from Music for the Blind. He was an exhibitor at the 2006 ACB convention in Jacksonville, Florida. Bill contacted me recently about placing his products in the ACB Mini Mall, and as a result, we also have an interview with him here on Soundprints this week. This is your chance to learn how to play a musical instrument completely by ear without needing to read music. We hope to have some of Bill's products at the Mini Mall in Dallas. If you listened to last week's magazine, you heard Brian Charlson talk about how he, as a blind person, cooks great hamburgers and steaks and veggies on the charcoal grill without having to call the fire department. This week, we bring you a slightly different feature on page four. It's all about some healthy ideas that actually taste good, too. And on page five is the Sound Prince calendar. Page two. I guess I, can, I should start with a little bit about me and my business. Um, I've been in the canine <laughs> industry, starting in veterinary medicine since I was, since 2000, since 99, my sophomore year in high school. Um, I got my first job as a veterinary technician in um, Eastern Jefferson County and uh, worked in veterinary medicine all the way up, uh, at least part-time, uh, up until five years ago. And um, at which point I kind of went into behavior full-time at that point. I did decide to um, expand my behavioral knowledge in 2008. I attended one of the two accredited schools in the country available for canine training. That's National Canine School for Dog Trainers in Columbus, Ohio. The other school that's available, the other facility that's accredited is uh, Triple Crown in Texas. So there's the only two in the United States. There's about <coughs> seven in the world that offer accredited um, educations in the field of training. Um, so that's something that I'm really proud of. Uh, and I organized Head Over Heel Canine in 2006. And in 2008, my wife decided, who was kind of in, was kind of in, um, in food for the most part at that point, decided that she really loved what I was doing and trying to do, so we decided that it would be an awesome idea to have um, a family business and run a husband and wife team. So she, we then paid for her to go to National Canine in 2008, and, um, and we kind of hit the ground running after that. We worked out of our home for, geez, eight years, and um, then we started looking at, at uh, commercial locations two years ago, and have finally, I think, settled down into a, into a, a more commercial setting that we're going to consider home for at least the next several years while we grow and and um, learn a little more about small business. We try to learn a little bit every day. I got into I got into entrepreneurship I think because that's all I really knew. You know, I, uh, the veterinary industry tends to be very much small business, and um, the only other career working experience I had before that was farming. I was raised on a farm and prospect, and then after that, I had a few years with Rick as a small or as a subcontractor. And, um, and Rick was the big guy, and he was right beside me all the time. That's as high up the chain as it went, other than the, other than the customers. So small business was really, I guess, just in my blood, and that's all I knew. Um, didn't exactly know what I was getting into when I, when I got into entrepreneurship, but I'm really glad I did. I, I love to be my own boss, um, and I love to be able... The biggest thing is my wife and I raised two children. I think the biggest benefit of being an entrepreneur is, is 
the ability to kind of make sure I hit all the kids' events and all the dance recitals, and we, you know, we get to at least flex our schedule enough. No, I can't spend enough time in the office, but I think that's the biggest benefit. It wasn't everything I thought it was going to be. I haven't made my million dollars yet. Like I said, we have two kids. I've got a six-year-old daughter, Clara, um, and a two-year-old boy named Case. Uh, we try to raise our children in a God-centered home and, um, and raise our kids with spiritual principles. So that's something that's really, really important to us and something we focus on every day. We try to operate our business under, this, under the same principles. As far as Head Over Heel Canine goes, so we offer two certified professional trainers with accredited educations. We're endorsed in um, 14 different specialty aspects of, of canine behavior. We specialize in pet dog development and pet dog <coughs> behavior modification. Um, we can do anything from puppy development all the way up through service work, uh, police canine military function or um, uh, handicap, physical or psychological assistance. The one thing we don't do is blind seeing eye. That's um, absolutely a profession all on its own. I spent some time with pilot dogs in Columbus and have the utmost respect for, for um, the people that do that. It's just, that just wasn't our path. I think our path took us where I feel like we really needed to be, which is to, to help the dogs and the families that, that um, you see every day. And uh, where my heart really lies when you walk into our local shelters and you see the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dogs that are there for what I consider very manageable behaviors. Um, the major reasons you see dogs owner surrendered today is um, inappropriate elimination. So urinating and you're defecating in the house uncontrollable energy levels, so just hyperactivity, and uncontrollable aggression, be it towards dogs, towards people, or fear-based. Um, and all three of those things with my education were things that we were taught to deal with pretty easily. I mean, it's, it's a shame. Um, and I think a lot of, the, a lot of the, the, the training that's available, or at least the people know that are available, um, just don't come from the, the same background that we come from. They don't come from the same level of education. And I really felt like, yes, I could do police military function, or yeah, I could do competition obedience, or I could do competition agility. But I really, really, I've always loved my pet dogs. They were really important to me as, as a child, and I, and I wanted to be there to, to kind of help the families that, that are um, in need of a little more help than what you get at your local group class. So. Uh, Head Over Heel Canine offers only one-on-one -on -one training. We don't do any group setting. We offer individualized training approaches based on the needs of our clients and the individual personalities of their dogs that they present. Uh, we offer free evaluations to get started. That kind of allows us to, uh, that's on our first visit, um, that allows us to get an idea of what, what your dog's like. We like to say where you are, what you want, and where you want to be. That allows us to get a track going, you know, and get us going in the right direction. And then what I found that um, I usually put a plan together based on the evaluation and I crinkle it up and I throw it in the trash can because it never goes that way. <laughs> and that's animals for you. You know, I mean, they, they don't necessarily use the same logic and reasoning centers as we do. Um, and nobody told them they're supposed to follow a certain set of rules. So we learned to kind of fly by our pants and I think maybe that's why I talk the way that I do. Because um, that's the way I have to work too and I'm comfortable like that. But with that being said, I think, you know, the importance of, of dog training in today's pet industry is very important. I mean, uh, like I said, I've already touched on the number of <clears throat> unhomed or, or owner-surrendered dogs that we have in our local shelters and our local pounds, but also the quality of life for a dog that is existing in a home and is happy in their home can dramatically be increased 
by the level of training and the amount of time that you put into it. Good training can teach a dog to be more intelligent, can teach a dog to solve problems. Um, it increases the bond between handler and dog. It also makes veterinary care, just from a, from a physical health standpoint, it makes veterinary care way, way, way easier. Your dog comes in with a limp and you've taken the time to bond with him and do the kind of interaction and training that you need to do. Um, then you can easily lift up their paw and look where some people have trouble, a lot of people have trouble even just trimming their own dog's toenails. You know, they have to make these big dramatic trips to the vet, the dogs are totally freaked out by it, spend anywhere from 10 to $30 for a nail trim. Um, and in my opinion, that's something that everybody can learn to do at home. You can learn to examine your dog's feet, you can learn to trim your own dog's toenails, you can learn to check their ears out, you can learn to even do capillary refills and do basic basic health examinations at home to help you as a pet owner determine whether or not you need to go to the vet or you need to put your dog or yourself through that experience. All through training, all through handling socialization and, and um, development from, from puppyhood or from young dog standpoint. My favorite words, I think, are probably consistency, predictability, um, efficiency, and timing, I think, are all the dog trainer's favorite words when it comes to uh, the skills that we all need to know and be efficient at to, to handle our dogs and to be clear. I think those are the, the four primary words. And I can explain more about those if you guys want to. I'll leave that up to you. We teach what's called a balanced scale approach, which is, uh, well, I think it's really important to know before you get into training a dog or wanting to be a trainer, wanting to be a handler, it's important to know how to communicate with whatever it is you're trying to communicate with. They like to say if you're trying to teach a Chinese exchange student English. It helps to teach, or it helps to know a little Chinese, right? I mean, it, to to start that fundamental communication, it helps to know how to communicate with them on their natural setting, um, so that you can potentially condition faster to the responses we're looking for in our language. And in case nobody knows, dogs do not speak English. Uh, <laughs> they don't even really speak human. Um, the textbook tells us that. Dogs are, indir are direct associators where humans are indirect associators, meaning a dog understands A plus B, cause and response, if you will, conditioned physical response, where humans can use the frontal cortex, a more developed processing center, reasoning and, lo or and logic processing center, to understand indirect association, which would be A plus B equals another response. So we can project into the future or we can reflect into the past. Dogs, which is this I think is the most beautiful point about canines, is dogs live right now. They live in the moment. And I think there's so much cognitive therapy available for just learning how to think a little more like your dog because that insists that you live for now and that you don't worry about what happened yesterday and you're not wasting your time projecting into the future because we all know that may be it. We may walk outside tonight and that's all we've got. We tend, as, as people, I think, to waste a lot of time in the past and to waste a lot of time in the future. If we can live for the moment um, like a dog does, we can all find ourselves a little more happiness, a little more peace and contentment. So with that being said, I think that's probably the biggest challenge in, in my industry is teaching people who have a very natural, innate ability to waste time in the past and project into the future, to, to calm down and just live in the present and learn about what the next thing to do is. Don't worry about what happens after that. Don't worry about what happened right before that. Just, what's the next right thing to do? Um, and for me, that's, that's what keeps me coming back from dogs. That mentality is what gives you that dogs are ultimately um, unconditionally loving and unconditionally forgiving. 
because they don't hold grudges. They don't live in what happened yesterday. Um, and they're not worried about what happens in the future. And I think that we as people have a lot to learn from that. And I'm certainly incredibly grateful for the opportunity that I have um, to learn from these animals and from the families that, that bless me with, with their trust every day. And uh, I can't wait to see what, what the dog training industry brings for me tomorrow. I've got 10 years in and another 30 or 40 years before I get that big RV you know, <laughs> off to the national parks I go with my fishing pole, if I make it that long. Again, I project a little bit, I'm human, but that's okay. But, um, I mean, that's pretty much the goals, you know. So, uh, I'm, I'm much more, I don't necessarily like to give talks, I'm much more of a discussion guy, so if we can fire up a discussion and do some question and answer, that's where I'm really comfortable. Well, you said that, but don't dogs know words? I mean, when you say certain words, they react to it. Mm -hmm. They, what you're getting, okay, so is everybody familiar with Pavlovian conditioning, mm -hmm. right? Classical conditioning. Any form of animal training, regardless of how advanced or how basic it may seem, the only thing we have to go off of is cause and response to Pavlovian conditioning. You get an audio stimulus, which is the word, mm -hmm. right? And then we offer some form of physical motivation. So for, for Pavlov, the word would be his bell. Mm -hmm. And the physical motivation would be the food, mm -hmm. right? And we teach the dog to respond physically in a certain way. Pavlov, that's the drooling. That was his desired response. Over time, through associating bell equals food, bell equals food, then you can remove that third point. You can remove the center point, and to the dog, what you have left is bell and food, or bell and drool, bell and drool. Two things that are never related in a dog's natural realm, but over conditioning, repetition over time. Um, you get what seems to be the dog learning vocabulary. I right. absolutely. It just seems like they know the word. Yep, and a lot of times what we find with pet dogs is you, we're not complete idiots at birth when it comes to communicating with animals, right? We figure, we tend to, pet owners tend to figure it out over time, what works and what doesn't, right? A trainer's job is just to help to show you the shortcuts and to help you understand why what you're doing has worked and why maybe you could try this and it might work faster. Dogs are not dumb either, right? They, dogs are very, very good at survival, and they're very good. Um, I, what I like to teach my clients is dogs take the path of least resistance to the point of highest reward almost every time, very reliably. They will negate obstacles to the point of highest reward, right? If there's a big, if there's a big tar pit over here, um, and it's a wide open path, but there's a big pool of water over here, but it's covered with obstacles, they're not going to just head towards the negative stuff, even though it's the simplest path, right? They'll take the path of least resistance to the point of highest reward. So what we try to do is negate what's what's most rewarding to your animal so that we can get them heading in the right direction. And then what does your animal, what would your animal prefer to avoid um, so that we can discourage the unwanted behaviors, right? When it comes to behavior modification, we're always trying to eliminate something. That's why the majority of people need our help because there's something going on that they just can't turn their dog away from. They don't know how to stop it from being alive, or he hates the neighbor's dog, or whatever the case is. So you've got to learn some resistance skills, but you absolutely, more importantly, have to learn motivational skills and reward skills so that we can head them off that way. But long story short, back to your question, it, it can appear that dogs naturally know what you're saying, but it's because you have accidentally conditioned them over time to respond to a certain way. For every time I say good dog, something good happens to you they're going to enjoy to hear that word and they're going to get excited when they hear that word or the way you look at them. 
or the way that you said, because I can go, oh, you're stupid, you know? <laughs> and if I say it in the right way, if I spend six months going, you're such a good boy, and then all of a sudden I go, you're dumb, you know, they're going to hear that, and they're not going to automatically know what your dumb means. They're going to hear the tone, and they're going to have an associated um, conditioned response to the tone, and they're still going to go, oh, I'm a happy dog. But, you know, they, they learn vocabulary through conditioning skills. Because a dog will know, they're four blocks away from the bed, the dog starts shaking. Mm -hmm. How do they know that? Well, dogs are observers, right? Um, they're readers. When was the last time you were watching National Geographic and saw two dogs laying down and having a conversation with each other? Just blah, blah, blah. It doesn't happen, right? How do dogs communicate naturally? Through physical and visual cues, right? They might remember the terrain. Yep, they remember the terms. Amazing. And they then, then they'll kind of associate that. And something else you have to recognize, dogs aren't just reading their environment. They're more so reading you. They're reading the handler. And a lot of times what I find when you get that negative association, like the dog hypersalivating <coughs> or hyperventilating, a block away from the vet, mm -hmm. what happens is you're anticipating that, and dogs are aware of your neurochemistry. Right? They can smell your pheromone dumps. They're also, from six foot, are aware of your respiratory rate and can sense your, your blood pressure and heart rate. Physiologically, and dogs are so in tune at looking at us and at paying attention to us that they'll start cueing on our response. That's how seizure alert works, <coughs> right? Ten minutes before any kind of noticeable physical change in a, in a seizure patient, the dog knows it because just the neurochemistry, mm -hmm. just the little change in respiratory rate, blood pressure, and pheromones change, and the dog can indicate on that. Don't dogs lower humans' blood pressure? Oh, yeah. Just fine. I've always heard that. Absolutely. Um, uh, blood pressure, all your stress pheromones, um, your respiratory rate lowers. I've seen studies that say dogs are, dog owners, pet owners are like 60% less likely to have a heart attack. You know, there's all kinds of health benefits that go along with having a pet animal. And I think everybody, everybody at least should consider the idea. Now, not everybody's good for a dog. You know, if you don't like them, then you don't need one. I certainly wouldn't know how to live without having a pet in my life, and I think it's, uh, we're just now starting to learn the, the physical benefits for humans to have a pet animal, even cats. They say the same thing about cats. So, yeah, absolutely, it's good for us. How many uh, dogs do you train at any one time? Uh, well, we operate, so I told you that here recently, just in the last six months, I think we found kind of our home base of operations for the next several years. We're in the middle of St. Matthew's, which is fantastic, right across from Trinity High School, um, at St. Matthew's Animal Hospital, or St. Matthew's Animal Clinic. Um, and uh, this new contract that we have worked out gives my wife and I a capacity of 10 dogs, right? We have 10 enclosures available to us at all times. That's five enclosures per trainer, five dogs per trainer. As of right now, we're holding an average of anywhere between six and eight dogs. And we offer anywhere from three-day to three-week programs. So it's kind of scattered around. We're doing about, I don't know, 16 or 17 dogs a month right now. Uh, Do you have any other questions? What's specifically barking? Well, alone. Barking is, I found over time, that one of the best pieces of advice that I can give somebody with a dog that's barking, if they're not self-destructive or destroying property, if they're not elevated to that level yet, 
one of the best things that you can do to get through the problem the fastest and the cheapest is to go buy a $100 bark collar. Electronic stimulus bark collar. It's hands-off dog training because your dog's barking when he's left alone, right? It's my daughter's dog. Yeah. yeah. So when you're alone, there's no handler there to help. Right? You can do simple things like turning on the television, recording the family while they eat dinner, and playing that when you leave. Um, offering Kong toys and peanut butter and stuff to keep them busy while they're alone. But other than those couple of simple things, once you're gone, once there's no more human interaction, there's no more behavior modification. Unless you get a piece of equipment that works by itself without the, the help of human aid. And that's where a battery comes in really, really handy. You put a bark collar on your dog. The citronella bark collars can be effective, but I only give them about 35% efficiency rating. Whereas the electronic stimulus bark collars, they're highly adjustable. You can get them where they tell you how many times they stem. So you come home and say, okay, my collar stemmed 47 times in two hours. It's probably not effective. So I know to turn that stimulation up, come back the next day, okay, it's stemmed four times. This is probably the right level. Um, Does it shock the dog? Mm -hmm. They supply non-amplified uh, non static shock between contacts. It's just like if you've ever been to the physical therapist, they put those oh, yeah. stem pads on your yeah, back. And yeah. You, yeah. Same thing. Okay. Just like just like your physical therapist has the little dial yeah. and he can turn it up based on your needs. Yeah. Same thing with the electronic stimulus equipment. <clears throat> what about a neighbor's dog? <laughs> you call the local police and the sound ordinance is in place. But ultimately, that's what I found to be the fastest, most direct. Electronic stimulus equipment is something that I really, really enjoy. I, as a professional, I like it because I've gone through several weeks of trainings, you know, intensive training on how to use them appropriately in the right ways and how to find stem levels and how to find threshold levels and all the different, there's about 18 different ways that you can use them. And I've taken the time to study all that through my continuing education courses. Um, and I love to teach them, but I think the worst thing they started doing was carrying them on the pet store walls. I think that's a piece of equipment that you need to get a little professional help with to at least teach you what's the best way to apply this tool with you. It's a power saw. Um, now, in the hands, in the right hands, that power saw is going to make your deck go up really quick versus that old hand saw, you know, mm -hmm. um, but in the, in the hands of somebody that's not trained to use it, it can be very dangerous. Mm -hmm. You can hurt yourself and you can hurt your dog and you can hurt the industry as a whole and, and that equipment. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of help there, but you have to be careful with it. Well, Kevin, thank you. The Kentucky Council of the Blind and its chapters provide information, advocacy, activities, and telephone support for people who are blind or visually impaired. Join our email list, visit our website, and of course, listen to Soundprints each and every week. To learn more, call us at 502-895-4598, drop us an email at kcb at igloo.com, or visit our website at kentucky-acb.org. Page three. I'm visiting with Bill Brown of Music for the Blind. Bill was an exhibitor at the 2006 Jacksonville Convention, and we had an interview with him uh, sometime after that on Soundprints. But we haven't talked to him in a long time, and we have a lot of new listeners, and we thought that you might be interested in hearing about the um, unusual products that he has available. So, Bill, welcome to Soundprints. 
Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Carla. Bill, you're based in, you are in Valdosta, Georgia? Correct. And tell us a little bit about your business and kind of how you got into it, and then um, about these music tutorials that, that people can use virtually wherever they are. Well, I am a music teacher, and I teach primarily guitar and piano, but I also have students for banjo, bass guitar, and mandolin. And I've taught some saxophone from time to time, because I did play that in high school. But I started recording my lessons for my students back in the 90s so they could take them home and practice with them. And there were complete songs taught all the way through by ear. And the reason I did that was I had a teacher when I was growing up that would teach that way. He wouldn't write anything down, even though we could both read and write music. He made me learn the song by ear. And it was really a powerful way for me to learn because it's the same way that you learn language, totally by ear. When you're learning your native language, you're not walking around with flashcards as a two-year-old. Um, you're, you just do it by ear, and you learn it by ear. And it's not until you get into middle school that you feel like an idiot because you wouldn't know a noun from an adverb. But your language, you learn it by ear, and you learn your music by ear. And what happens is that when you hear other songs that are similar to the one you know by ear, you know right where to go. And if you ever forget the song, your body kind of becomes the memory system, kind of like muscle memory for the song. So that's why I started recording these lessons for my students to work on at home. And then I had a blind student who did really well with these because that's primarily the way that he was having to learn since he no longer had his sight. And because I already had probably, I'd say, 20 or 30 guitar songs taught that way and maybe about a dozen or so piano songs taught that way, um, my wife said, you know, if somebody were blind... That would be the ideal way for them to learn, but they would need a beginner course. Because as it stands now, you know, with the taped lessons, you're assuming they have the basics down because they're coming to you for lessons. So that's uh, when I made that first course, Intro to the Guitar, for the Visually Impaired, and that was about 1995. Mm -hmm. And then we just advertised it like in blind magazines, which were basically cassette tapes mailed to people, right. pretty much like what you described. And then we um, got orders from all over the world, actually, the English-speaking world, because nobody was doing anything like that. And, of course, the idea was that once they got the basics down with this beginner course, then they could start using these recorded lessons that I already had. So they could learn at home, totally by ear, to play the guitar or piano, which was kind of a radical idea if you think of what was available then. Right. Um, especially, you know, the Internet was just really not that developed. And, of course, you know, even with YouTube and all the videos, that's almost a wasted, you know, product for somebody who's visually impaired because they're assuming you can see what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they're going to give you tab and music, and the only other option you would have would be Braille music, which is pretty difficult to learn to read. And as more and more of our citizenry is becoming blind at an older age, most of those people have no Braille skills at all when they lose their sight. And so to be able to get them into playing a musical instrument quickly is a is a great idea, especially if they're you know wanting to you know do something recreational at that age. So it really wound up being kind of a godsend um, and a great idea all at the same time. Since then, um, we have probably over 1,100 songs and courses that are taught completely by ear. Oh. And our beginner courses. Um, like at the 2006 convention, we just released our intro to the violin. Mm -hmm. And my daughter was the one who made that course. 
and I was just really surprised at how quickly she knocked it out because uh, she sounded just like me. So she had evidently been listening while I've been making all these other courses. Mm-hmm. But now we have piano, guitar, bass, banjo, violin, flute, saxophone, penny whistle, ukulele, harmonica, and I think that's most of them, mm-hmm. if not all of them. And we actually have a guitar course, Intro to the Guitar, and it's in Spanish. Okay. I had a guy up in Maryland who was a guitar teacher who was born in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. and we got him to record it. I structured the course, and we included some songs, too, that you know more Latin Americans would be familiar with, rather than just you know uh, Western-type pop songs. Mm-hmm. And so we have that course available as well. And also, these are available through the National Library Service you know, mm-hmm. for checkout. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are on the BARD system, not all of them. But all of them, except for the newest titles, are available on that digital cartridge that the mm-hmm. NLS um, carries. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we are. So for a person to find out more about these courses, they can visit your website? www.musicfortheblind.com. Mm-hmm. And there you'll find the links to everything. Mm-hmm. And um, you do have a fee for the courses? Right. If you buy them from us, most mm-hmm. of the courses are $39. If you get them on tape or CD, mm-hmm. you can download them. Mm-hmm. And when you download them, there'll be in a zip file that you unzip, and then you can put it on your iPad, iPhone, or your computer. And those are only 35 most of those. So you save mm-hmm. you know, $4 in shipping mm-hmm. if you can get it in a download format. Right. And that's been real popular for people in the United Kingdom and Australia, Scotland, you know, all the English-speaking countries around the world because the shipping can get pretty, you know, formidable right. when you start shipping CDs over there. As a matter of fact, I just set up a new dealer in Canada who's going to be offering the downloads um, through their site there in Canada. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're expanding in all kinds of different markets, English-speaking, mm-hmm. or people who, um, you know, there are some countries where even though English is not their first language, it is their second, and so I saw courses over there as well. Right. Okay, and um, how many lessons are in a typical course? Well, the beginner course, you know, covers what I would usually teach here in the studio over three to six months. Mm-hmm. So you're really getting a lot of information, um, you know, for $39. Yes. Especially when you, you consider what private lessons would cost. Absolutely. And, and, of course, there's no traveling involved, and it's all done by ear. And then you have it, you know, format there that you can, you know, load back in, rewind, mm-hmm. you know, find it. Mm-hmm. And if you do the download, of course, it's even more convenient if you can put it on your eye device. Mm -hmm. But it teaches you completely by ear. And more importantly, um, especially with Piano Course 2, that one's specifically designed to help you learn to play by ear. The beginner courses pretty much just get you in the door, get all the basic skills down, all the terminology. But by the time you get to some of the second courses, you're learning a lot more information Mm -hmm. because we can move faster because you have the basics down. Right. And, like, there is a guitar course, too. There's a piano course, too. Uh, there's a worship guitarist one and a worship guitarist two, and they're visually impaired friendly as well. There's mm-hmm. no no reading, no printing, nothing uh, to deal with any kind of print, braille, or video with those. But then more importantly is the individual song lessons in the guitar by ear, piano by ear libraries. Like for guitar by ear, um, I just finished doing, let me see some of the newer ones. There's one by Stevie Ray Vaughan called Chitlin's Concarney, which is a kind of a neo-jazz type solo, and that one's taught completely by ear. 
and it has tracks to play along with. Uh, Cocaine by Clapton, Honey Don't by The Beatles, uh, Fantasy Girl by 38 Special, let's see, House of the Rising Sun by Frigid Pink. So these are all just, you know, great hits from, and some of the newer ones, like I Have a Thousand Years by Christina Perry, that one's only come out in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And I just got through doing Marry Me by Train, which is a nice love song that just came out in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So it's a good mix of um, all kinds of titles in the guitar. There's over 600 in the guitar. Sounds like you'd have plenty to learn, plenty to learn to play. Oh, there is. There, there's um, all kinds of options. And for the piano, there's well over 300 songs, mm-hmm. a lot of classical, pop, country. Mm-hmm. So it gives anybody who wants to learn to play an instrument, plenty to work on. And then, of course, they can always contact me. I'll have students who want to do what they call private lessons, where they'll send a song and they want to learn. And then for a fee, I'll build them a guitar by ear or a piano by ear from scratch. And, of course, it costs me a little more at the front end to do that, but they get their lesson right away, and then I put it in the catalog, mm-hmm. and then up the road I'll make my money back that way. Uh-huh. It kind of gets them their song right away, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's in that same by ear format. Now, in your other life, when you're not doing, when you're not doing these tutorials on the um, for the internet, you also are giving guitar lessons or piano lessons there. In Correct. Your, okay. We um, teach here in our home. Mm-hmm. Um, between my wife and I, we're running about eighty to ninety students a week. Oh my goodness! And I usually run close to fifty, mm-hmm. if not more, mm-hmm. per week. And then I do that, and then I also do recording. Mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, we, we just, just do music round the clock. <laughs> I guess. With with 80 or 90 students a week, that's music around the clock right there. It is, but it's really enjoyable because you, you really get to meet some really nice people. And yeah. um, you're getting to meet a lot of kids. I'm getting that age too where I really appreciate grandchildren. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot of fun. Well, that's really, really terrific. Kind of get reintroduced to this. Um, it's one of those things that we hadn't hadn't looked at it in quite some time, and was real pleased to get your email the other day and find out that you're still there and <laughs> things are going bigger and better than ever. So well, um, they are. We we really appreciate it. Let's give your uh, contact information again: your website, phone number, email, if you can. Sure. So the website is www.musicfortheblind.com. The toll-free number is 1-888-778-1828. And then my email is bill at musicvi.com. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you being on Sound Friends with us. Well, I appreciate you calling, Carla. Find books and more in accessible media with APH's free-of-charge Louis Database http colon slash slash l-o-u-i-s dot a-p-h dot org locate accessible educational materials from nearly 200 different agencies aph products and textbooks can also be located using louis new extended searching now available with free louis plus visit soon http colon slash slash l-o-u-i-s dot a-p-h dot org Many book materials help Braille users jot notes quickly. Pull APH's mini-book Braille binder out of your pocket and begin to write on the mini-book slate in just seconds. Materials are sold separately so that you can choose the combination that's right for you. Call the American Printing House for the Blind, toll-free, 800-223-1839. 
or visit www.aph.org. Page four. Recently, I've gotten hooked on Greek yogurt. It's smooth, creamy, and its live cultures are great for your digestive system. The high protein content keeps you feeling full. It helps you get through a power workout, or it just makes that breakfast-to-lunch stretch much better because you're not feeling so famished. Try an assortment of toppings and mix-ins to enhance its flavor and nutrition. You can add sweet or savory ingredients to enjoy it as part of a meal or as a healthy dessert alternative. You'll want to use plain Greek yogurt, not sweetened or with fruit already added, because then you can control the amount of sweetener, fruit, flavorings, and so on, and thus keep the calories down. Remember that vanilla yogurt is not the same as plain yogurt. Sugars are added to vanilla yogurt, so skip it and add the vanilla to make your own. Why Greek yogurt rather than other kinds? Greek yogurt is strained more than other yogurts, making it smoother and creamier. I found some ideas for adding Greek yogurt to mealtime and snacks, and I thought I'd share them with you here. First, a simple way to dress up plain Greek yogurt is just to add fresh fruit to balance the yogurt's tangy taste. You can mash up whole fruits and blend them into the yogurt, or top with diced fruit. Try using a single fruit, or pack a flavor punch by blending different types of fruits together, such as bananas, berries, and peaches. If you're in the mood for something tropical, stir in a spoonful of crushed pineapple and some shredded coconut. If you don't have fresh fruit on hand, just use some frozen fruit, or stir in a bit of a 100% fruit spread instead. The second idea is to mix Greek yogurt with honey, nuts, or granola. This might be the fuel you need to start the day. Use a handful of your favorite granola, or break up a crunchy granola bar, or try a cereal with granola. The nuts you choose depend entirely on what you like. You might want slivered almonds for a roasted flavor, meaty walnut pieces that are packed with heart-healthy omega-3 fatty acids, or the buttery taste of chopped pecans. You can stir the ingredients into the yogurt or use them as a crunchy sweet topping. Drizzle immune-boosting honey over the yogurt for sweetness with a mild floral flavor. Another idea is cherry chocolate chip. Cherries and dark chocolate are packed with flavor and antioxidants to help you maintain a healthy, active lifestyle. If you're a fan of cherry chocolate chip ice cream, try Greek yogurt blended with fresh sweet cherries instead. Or substitute dried or frozen cherries when the fresh ones aren't in season. Top off with a handful of dark chocolate chips. You can make it healthier by chopping up a 72% cocoa chocolate bar. Remember that chocolate that has less than 72% cocoa isn't as healthy, and milk chocolate may have a good taste, but it certainly does not offer the added benefit of antioxidants. You might like strawberry shortcake Greek yogurt. Summertime dessert strawberry shortcake often includes fresh strawberries and biscuits with a generous topping of whipped cream. 
substitute Greek yogurt when you want to indulge without overindulging. Just a bit of biscuit crumbled into the yogurt is enough to give the flavor you crave without overdoing it. When it comes to strawberries, there's no such thing as too many. They're packed with fiber and vitamin C and support heart health and oral health. Strawberries tend to be tart, so sweeten them up a bit by sprinkling them with a little sugar and letting them sit for about 10 minutes. You can also use sugar substitute here if you wish. Our fifth idea is banana nut Greek yogurt. If you like banana nut bread but want to avoid the sugar and excess calories, use a cup of Greek yogurt as a healthy base and add some healthy ingredients to provide potassium and omega-3 fatty acids. Dice up a banana and blend with the yogurt or mash a very ripe banana so it's as smooth and creamy as the yogurt. Stir in a little bit of chopped walnut as well. Finish off with your favorite spices such as cinnamon and nutmeg along with a drop of vanilla and a drizzle of honey. You remember going to camp and sitting around the fire and having those great s'mores? Stir some dark chocolate chips into your yogurt or drizzle with a bit of fat-free chocolate fudge. Add a spoonful of marshmallow cream or a few mini marshmallows. Instead of using graham cracker crumbs, which will soften pretty quickly, crush up a whole graham cracker so you get the crunch from the larger pieces. This really isn't a very low-sugar dessert and not low-cal, but small amounts of the ingredients in a cup of Greek yogurt is healthier than consuming several s'mores. And finally, how about a frozen dessert? Freeze some frozen Greek yogurt for those times when you want something cold and refreshing on a hot day. Mix in your choice of fruit and pack it with vitamins and minerals. Puree the fruit and yogurt in a blender before freezing if you prefer smooth and creamy frozen yogurt. Make it chunky by folding in chopped fruit into the plain yogurt. The fruit helps to stabilize the yogurt so it doesn't separate when freezing. Package it in freezer-safe containers that provide moisture and vapor resistance, and be sure to use it within two months to maintain the best flavor. These great yogurt ideas are from an article entitled Seven Healthy Divine Greek Yogurt Toppings, and I found them on the website healthyeating.sfgate.com. Page 5. The Sound Prince Calendar. Unless otherwise indicated, you can join conference calls listed on this calendar by dialing 605-475-6006 and entering code 294444. Most in-person activities sponsored by the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind are held at United Crescent Hill Ministries, 150 South State Street in Louisville. Help GLCB with planning its activities by signing up in advance. Call 502-895-4598 to register for GLCB events. Bluegrass Council of the Blind activities are held at the BCB office, unless otherwise specified, located at 1093 South Broadway, Suite 1230 in Lexington. Register for BCB events and activities by calling 859-259-1834. Remember that the Bluegrass Council of the Blind has assistive technology demonstrations and training 
each Friday morning at the BCB office. Don't just drop in, however. Call ahead to make an appointment. June 5th and 6th is the Kentucky School for the Blind 70th Annual Alumni Reunion at the Ramada Inn, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. For more information, call 502-897-1472 or call the Ramada at 502-897-5101 to make hotel reservations. On June 6th is the Art Walk for the Visually Impaired. Guided hands-on experience with outdoor art in the Covington area. The bus departs from the Covington Public Library at 502 Scott Boulevard at 2 p.m. Light refreshments and discussion at the library after the tour. Register by leaving your name and phone number at 859-547-5565. Made possible by the Center for Great Neighborhoods with generous support from the Kresge Foundation. On June 7 are the GLCB committee meetings at 7 p.m. Advocacy, 8 p.m. Education and Technology, and 9 p.m. Activities. All meetings are on the conference line. June 8 is the Bluegrass Council Community Outing, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Call BCB at 859-259-1834 for more details. On June 9, the Bluegrass Council Board will meet at the BCB office from 9 to 10.30 a.m. On June 9, the Support Alliance for the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will hold its June meeting from 12 to 2.30 p.m. It will include lunch and a social time, as well as a chance to learn some basic mobility skills from O&M specialist Katrina Berry. It's at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 for more information. On June 11, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have a conference call meeting at 7 p.m. Call 605-475-4700 and enter code 155-619. June 11 is the... ACB Lions June Conference Call. The number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. June 12 is a GLCB Friday from 3.30 to 6, Education and Technology, 6.15, Dinner, $5 per person, and 7 to 10, Games and Crafts. In technology, we can now provide support for iPhones and iPads, Braille Notes, Trekker Breeze, and Victor Reader Streams. If you have other tech requests, also let us know and we'll attempt to have a person to assist you. For more information and to sign up, call 502-895-4598. On June 12, the KCB Next Generation will hold its monthly meeting from 7.30 p.m., in conjunction with the GLCB Friday, the meeting will be at 7.30 p.m. for the next generation. June 13 is the GLCB board meeting at 11 a.m. on the conference line. June 14 is the Bluegrass Council of the Blind quarterly membership meeting from 4 to 6 p.m. at the Palomar Center, 3735 Palomar Center Drive in Lexington. 
RSVP by calling the BCB office. June 15 is the KCB board meeting at 8 p.m. on the conference line. June 19 is the next GLCB Friday at United Crescent Hill Ministries. June 20 and July 18, Braille for the Sighted, Workshops for Young People. From 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., these are two workshops for learning the Braille basics and practicing writing on a Braille slate and a Braille writer. Advanced students will learn about Braille contractions, whole word signs, and more. Attend one or both sessions. These are for children 8 to 14 years old. They're free, but registration is required. They're at the American Printing House for the Blind, 1839 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. Call 502-899-2213 for more information. On June 20, GLCB will hold a dine-out from 3.30 to 6 p.m. at Rockies in southern Indiana. Call us at 502-895-4598 to sign up and make reservations. June 21 is the KSB Alumni Board Meeting at 8 p.m. on the conference line. June 22, Guide Dog Users of Kentucky will hold its next membership meeting at 7 p.m. also on the conference line. June 24, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its next VIP meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the Bluegrass Council of the Blind Lexington office. Call them to make reservations. This will include information on home health assistance. On June 26, the GLCB Friday will include education and technology from 3.30 to 6, dinner at 6.15, $5 per person, and bingo from 7 to 10 p.m., $2 per person, as well as games and crafts. June 27, July 25, and August 22 will be the APH Film Festival, 12.30 to 3 p.m. each time at the American Printing House for the Blind on Frankfurt Avenue. The films this year will be documentaries about blindness, followed by moderated discussion each time. These are free, but registration is required, suitable for older children and adults. Register by calling 502-899-2213. In July, of course, is the 54th Annual ACB Conference and Convention, July 3 through 11. Registration is now open online at www.acb.org or by telephone by calling and leaving a voicemail at 800-332-3242. Someone will return your call if you would like to register by phone. July 15 and 16 is Gateways to Independence Summer Institute, statewide training for teachers of the visually impaired, held at the Kentucky School for the Blind. This year, it's called Making the Move to Unified English Braille, Principles and Practice. The presenters will be Frances Mary DeAndrea, Ph.D., and Mary Nell McLennan, M.A., Space is Limited, so be sure and register. The number is 502-897-1583. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or need information on resources for people with vision loss, Call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at igloo.com. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prince. Have a great week, everybody.